So the holiday season is upon us. And although it is a time of joy and gathering together of friends and family and all of those fantastic things, it is also a time of increased stress for many people. We see rates of depression grow up. Sometimes rates of suicide increase around the holidays. And another big thing that we see is an increase in conflict among those with whom you're most closely connected. So whether it's the busyness, the added financial stress of trying to provide gifts for people in your life, a lot of couples really fight a lot during the holiday season. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that Rob and I care a lot about helping people have connected relationships in the midst of the challenge of running a business. That's one of the sort of core topics that we address here on Zen Founder. And we have put together a little video course that that covers six key conversations that we think are super important for founders and their significant others to have. And the way we did it is we put it together so that you go on six dates and each date has a little video that you watch before you go on the date, then you go on the date, then you have a set of conversation questions to help guide you into a really intentional, deeper conversation with your significant other. It's not all super serious. It's also kind of fun. And we put this together because we just thought that it's so much easier to do some good prevention work to take care of potential problem areas before they become something that drives you into therapy or of course at worst drives a big wedge in your relationship and drives you to dissolving the relationship. So we were hoping to release the course and do a big, you know, like Black Friday launch and those of you who've been listening to the show also know that um, I recently lost my dad and we just I just didn't have the time or bandwidth to to get it done in the way that I wanted to. So the course is for sale now. It is up on Zen Founder. So it's zenfounder.com forward slash date night. And I I think it's a really good gift idea. This is one of the reasons I wanted to release it right now. Because if you're like our family, like you have a lot of stuff already. Like I don't need another scarf or another pair of shoes or another piece of jewelry. But for many of us in the entrepreneurial world, our time is our most valuable asset and therefore it's the most precious thing that we can give. So perhaps rather than guiding your loved one another fuzzy sweater, consider making the investment in intentional conversation and and like deeply high quality time together. These days don't have to be extravagant. You don't have to go to Michelin star restaurants, even a night in that's just really intentionally carved aside for you to focus on each other will work. So all the information is there. We'll help you find it to be useful and helpful. This is definitely my first time launching a course like this. So if you have any like technical problems or issues, you know where to find me. I'm Sherry at zenfounder.com. So again, check out the course. It's zenfounder.com forward slash date night. And the episode today is the audio of one of the dates. So you got a little flavor for how we set this up. And this is the audio from one of the six videos that you would watch if you purchase the course. This one, I think, again, is particularly timely because it's all about conflict and how to fight fear. I think it's date three, so it comes after some other material, but I felt like it was a good one to to put out into the world for you all during this more conflict-laden season. We plan to talk through the issues faced by startup founders and the people close to them. That over 
amazingly focusing time. This is what we do, you know, aside from our families, this is our whole work life. I am also known as Dr. Wine. and his or her significant other would both get value from the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to date number three. This date is about love and war. We're going to have some conversations about conflict. Yeah, this is a good one, I think. I think this is a conversation that a lot of couples really benefit from. And I started to think about this a lot when I was in my postdoctoral year. So after I finished my doctorate, I did a postdoc in Boston at the National Center for PTSD. And I worked with a very specific group of folks. I worked with recently returned combat veterans who had PTSD and were also having a lot of conflict in their relationships. One of the things that my research team and I worked a lot on was thinking about how to break down conflict with your significant other and help people learn skills to have conflict well so that they didn't slip over into aggression. The reality is that conflict can be really hard for some couples and the extent to which people have skills to use their words and to engage in conflict in productive ways really sort of tells the difference between whether or not a couple is going to slip into aggression and become like a worst case scenario kind of relationship or whether a couple is going to learn how to be pretty happy together. Yeah, I mean, every couple is going to have conflict, period. And that's it's not about avoiding conflict, but it's about having some rules of engagement that you can use to keep yourself from getting into that really anger, resentful stage that that's going to start doing damage to the relationship. I think the first thing to think about is that all is not fair in love and war. No way. Yeah. It's, you really need to, there's a certain element of needing to to keep control, right? And so yelling, throwing things. This may be learned behavior. You know, you may have, maybe how your parents fought when you were younger, but that's the kind of thing that you need to actively think about. How do I, how do I not do that? How do I not get there? Another rule that you should set up is to, to have rules of engagement. Like, kind of like a, you know, I think of the Geneva Convention that set up how to fight, right? It's like certain things are not allowed in war and certain things should not be allowed in arguments as well because it can lead to, lead to negative consequences. Another aspect is to think about how you engage in conflict and how you're going to repair, right? It's, again, every couple's going to have it, mm-hmm. but to be very deliberate about not letting it go outside these boundaries and then if it does go get to a point where, where you've hurt one another, figuring out how to repair, because that's a a great predictor of a couple's longevity, right? Is their ability to have conflict and their ability to repair afterwards. Right, the presence of conflict isn't the problem, right? As you said, the presence of conflict is unavoidable. The question is how well do people put it back together after they've had a conflict? And of course, you can put something back together, you can repair well when the hurts are small. But when the hurts get really big, that's harder to fix which is why those rules of engagement are are important and helpful because they protect you from really big hurt. Strategies to fight fair. Um, How to have conflict in a way that will minimize the damage that you do to each other, but also, you know, help you work things out. First one is try to have your conflict when you're in a reasonable state of mind. 
we all have misunderstandings. We all have things where it's like, dude, what were you thinking? You hurt my feelings. Or that was sort of a a dick move or like an unkind thing to do. The way that I talk to you about that matters a lot. So if you have been hurt or if you are upset or if you feel resentment beginning to build inside of you, talking to your significant other when you are not tired, inebriated, really, really angry, Hungry, sick, like any of these things, right? It's like when you're irritable, you know, irritable or irritated. It's like don't fire off that like impulsive email. Think about what you're doing. Realize that when emotions are involved, the tone, the manner in which the discussion happens is really significant. Big time. And so I remember like going to my bridal shower with like my mom and her friends. And they gave advice, and a lot of the women said things like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I actually don't think that's very good advice. I think if you're super tired, go to sleep and talk about it tomorrow. My friends Kay and Sean Hesketh, couple that I admire very much, they have like a three-day rule where you have three days to air it out. And you can take the time, you can calm down, you can think it through, you can write a note, you can do whatever you need to do. So keep a short timeline. Don't be like, hey, four weeks ago, you said something that hurt my feelings because that's that's four weeks of you being angry and unhappy and that's just unnecessary. But find a time within a three-day period where you can get your wits about you and calm down to a point where you can speak effectively about how you're feeling and get your partner's attention. So it's like a three-day statute of limitations, right? Where like you shouldn't be able to go beyond that as well as giving someone permission to say, hey, I I do need to take a day to think about this. I'm right? not so ready to talk about this yet. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. Rule for fighting fair number two, be able to take a time out. This is one of the skills that I talk a lot with people, especially when passions run high. And lots of founders are you know, passionate folks. And so I think when we get into discussions and things get really heated and it begins to go in a bad direction, and I don't mean just like, you know, I don't mean only the outlying experience of getting like physically aggressive, but just you start to be mean. You start to like bring up every resentment from the history of your whole relationship. Like it just starts to go in a bad direction. That's a good time to take a time out. And to be able to say, I know we're in the middle of this, but I'm not able to have this conversation in a really helpful way. So I'm going to walk around the block and I'm going to come back in 30 minutes and we'll continue. And so having an agreement with your significant other that says, I'm going to take a time out and then I'm going to come back and continue the conversation are kind of the two key pieces. You want to make sure that you communicate, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk this out so that It doesn't feel like I'm just going to slam the door and avoid it, or I'm going to walk away and never come back to it again. Timeouts are really powerful, especially, honestly, this is a little bit of a parenthetical aside, but as a parent, the difference between a parent that becomes abusive and a parent that's not abusive is really our capacity to walk away. And so that applies in our relationship too. We can do big damage when we don't learn how to walk away and just say like, I'll be back. We're going to talk about it, but not right now. 
And so you've used this expression, the four horsemen of the relationship apocalypse. Is that, is that am I quoting <laughs> the that? The marital apocalypse. Marital apocalypse. It's so yeah. dramatic. But it, it works for significant others or partners as well, right? Yeah, so this is John Gottman um, of the Gottman Institute. He knows so much about marriage and relationships. He has an institute named after him or he named after himself. Anyway. Life goals. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the Walling Institute of Marital Conflict. Yeah, wait a minute. I don't think we should do that. <laughs> Gottman has done a ton of research over the last like 30 years looking at how couples have conflict. And he identified four things that he termed the horsemen of the marital apocalypse, which again, dramatic. But these are the things that really cause big hurts. So the difference between little hurts and big hurts. The number one problematic interaction style that can exist between a couple is when people have conflict or communicate in such a way that they're doing so with contempt. And contempt is sarcasm, it's biting, it's underhanded, it's eye-rolling. The underlying message is like, I'm disgusted by you. And so contempt is the number one predictor of divorce. When a couple begins to have contempt for one another. And so is it thinking like, if my 13-year-old would argue like this, then that's that's off. I mean, is that the idea? Like typically it's an immature approach to, to arguing? It's just such a dismissive approach. Like you think about what it feels like to like make the statement, I'm disgusted with you. Mm-hmm. That's not like I'm hurt, I'm sad, I'm angry. Like I am disgusted. I want to like spit you out of my life. Right. That's pretty pretty ugly. And I think when you begin to treat each other like that, those are really hard things to repair. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. So yeah, contempt, that's the bad one. Well, they're all bad, but the second one is criticism. And this is really being critical of who your significant other is. Like me being critical of you for sleeping late on Saturdays, which I did in our early years, which is just, it's just something about you. It's just how you sleep. It's fine. I'm cool with it now. Totally are. But I think um, when we attach irritation to things about our significant others that are like sort of permanent fixtures of who they are and we become critical of them, that's a no-win situation. Mm -hmm. So that's number two, uh, horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. And that critical, that criticality turns into like nagging, right? It turns into just saying the same thing over and over about something that perhaps the person can't or really isn't willing to change. And it's like learning to let that go. Yeah. It's just stop biting. It's like the chihuahua. All right, number three, no-go zone or problematic conflict style is defensiveness. And this is an inability to really own your part in a conflict that's happening. And all of us struggle with this at some point. You know, all of us want to, like, win the argument, especially if we're sort of high-achieving people who are used to being right and successful. And not being able to say, okay, here's how I contributed to this makes it very hard for there to be a repair. Yeah. The other thing that's really hard to repair, and this is the fourth one, is, is what Gottman calls stonewalling, which is just an emotional shutdown. Your partner's upset, they're angry, they're hurt, they're sad, and you're just like fully non-engaged, detached, you're a wall. And it feels really crappy to be upset and reaching out to your partner and getting nothing back. So that's a big hurt to try to fix. It's a big hurt to try to restore. Right. That's why it's one of the four horsemen, right? It's the, yeah. These things. I imagine these are all predictors of divorce in one way or another. Yeah. And so 
I think that the idea then is how, how do we avoid getting into the, you know, allowing the four horsemen, any of them to come into our lives, right? And, or into our relationship specifically. And it's, it's having these no-go zones. It's having some rules of engagement like we talked about earlier and then having these, these no-go zones of don't allow, you know, your conflict to enter this, this realm. So we talked earlier already about like don't talk, don't discuss hard things when you're distracted, when you're hungry, when you're tired, or when you're not able to listen. Uh, another one is to not stew to not stew on things. And it's to, if you're gonna take that time out, if you're gonna take the day or the three days, use it to think and to ask yourself perhaps what you could have done better or what you can do better, how you can repair, um, rather than to think of all the reasons the other person is wrong. Or don't just try to like fortify your argument. Yep. Here's the other six things that I'm gonna say that's gonna defend my point of view, right? right. So it's like stewing is just like getting madder and madder about it and then essentially lashing out, and that can lead to, to the contempt of the stonewalling. Another thing is no name calling, right? It's a really interesting one. And I've found this with, with our kids, where it's like, it's so much more reasonable if they're playing a game and one of them thinks that the other person cheated, that saying you cheated is one thing, but saying you are a cheater, right? It's now you're calling someone a name, not it's talking like about It's like your character. The, yep that's being attacked. Right, and so that, it's the same thing. It, it's not gonna work uh, in arguments because it's so offensive. Like it's this, this broad sweeping statement. And that actually leads me into the next no-go go zone is don't make these global statements about your entire relationship, right? Using word, phrases like always, never, you know, you're, you're never there for me. Or it, while it can feel true, it's like you, words count. And when you say something that is so, it feels true, but it's not true. It's not true and the other person can really take it as something that it, it like blows your whole argument, right? It suddenly. It's sort of like going back to date one. It's like, what story are you telling yourself about your relationship? Right. And there's lots of stories we can tell ourselves. We can sort of interpret the data in lots of ways. But when you tell a story of like, my partner is consistently, is always, you're, you're just telling a story that's probably not really true and definitely not helpful. Yeah, and that's, that's what I think the issue is, is the more, is as soon as you start saying that out loud, it shows that you probably believe it a little bit mm -hmm. and your partner hearing that is only gonna, it's only gonna drive a wedge, right? Because then the partner starts thinking, is that what you actually think? Like, do you actually believe that? You know, that can get hard. Another no-go zone is to not shut down and shut the other person out. This comes back to the, the stonewalling you said. If you need to take a timeout, that's fine. But long-term, just shutting someone out is it re can really drive that wedge as well. Yeah. Conflict is hard. I mean, it is. Obviously, you wouldn't be having conflict if it wasn't something that was important or kind of emotionally tender. And when, when we started this conversation in date one, we talked about the importance of, like, the attachment. Will you be there? And conflict is an extension of that conversation. Will you be there when you've hurt me, like even in the midst of me being upset at you, can you still show up in a way that's emotionally engaged, in a way that you let yourself be accessible and you let yourself be responsive? And staying responsive and accessible and engaged when you want to defend yourself or when you're angry is super hard. But that's what good conflict looks like. It means you don't shut down. You don't go for the jugular. You say, even though I'm super pissed at you right now, like, I still love you. And I don't want you to be hurt. I just want you to stop doing whatever it is that you did that made me mad. Repair in conflict is really the important part. And 
Sue Johnson talks about softening moments where people sort of decide, like, I'm going to put down my weapons and just soften this tension a little bit and let there be some space for some emotional connection, even in the midst of hard things. And some things that help people soften well are to use we language, like to say, like, we're both struggling right now. We're both stressed. We are both hurting. We are both confused. Whatever it is that's kind of the story of what conflict is happening, to realize that you're both in it together. You're both stuck. You're both mad. And I think even that that plural pronoun helps you to feel less alone in your feelings because, hey, if nothing else, your partner is right in the, right in the mess with you. Another thing that can be helpful if used well is humor, not forgetting some lightness, even when you're in the midst of hard conversations. As long as it doesn't drift into sarcasm, right? It right. Can't, it can't be it humor has to be against, actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be, be well-placed. It can't be against the other So don't use it if you're not good at it. Don't, it's, that's like a level two skill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anything that kind of neutralizes the tension is important. Things where you're communicating that you're giving your partner the benefit of the doubt, like to say, I know you probably didn't mean to hurt me. And I generally believe that about you, that you don't mean to hurt me or you don't mean to make me mad. So even beginning the conversation with that, like, hey, I realize this probably wasn't intentional, but this is what happened and this is how it felt. So we still have to deal with that. But restating that you generally trust that your partner is not a jerk, but is made a bad choice or made a mistake or there was a miscommunication or whatever. That, I think, sets you up to have a meaningful conversation when someone can say, oh, yeah, I really didn't mean to say it like that. I didn't mean to hurt you. When you're having hard conversations, it can be helpful to think about how you're sitting even. I kind of like the way that we're sitting now. We're, we're sort of facing each other, but we're, like our bodies aren't squared to each other. It doesn't feel like we're facing off. If you can have a hard conversation and even like hold hands or reach out a little bit and have some physical connection that can sort of soften the blow of your anger and frustration. You still want to use all of your connecting skills even when you're upset. Another way to uh, repair well is to forgive quickly and accept forgiveness, right? It's to not lock in, like to, to dig your heels in on, um, on issues. And I think that this is, can definitely be a learned skill for all of us because I think as a child, I don't know, you're taught to forgive, but I often didn't want to forgive when I was younger. It's and like, I, go, tell, go tell your brother that you're sorry. Right. And it's like, well, I don't actually feel that I am sorry. But I think in a relationship, it's like if you're going to be in it for the long term, you have to develop the discipline of allowing yourself to forgive and, frankly, to accept, you know, accept apologies when someone gives it to you. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the whole forgive and forget is really just not very true. Mm-hmm. But I think we can decide, like, I am going to decide not to carry this anymore. And then... I will remember it, but I want to remember it correctly. Like remember it in context and remember that we talked about it and remember that you were sorry. And those are all parts of how you tell the story of a problem that are important. So you're you're contextualizing your memory of that hurt by telling the whole story. We talked about it. We got upset. I was sorry. You were sorry. And we repaired it and we moved on. So telling the full story accurately. Right. And so as you transition into today's date, 
take some time to talk about conflict. I mean, that's, that's the point. It's to talk about how you think you stand today in terms of how you handle conflict and probably looking at some danger zones, uh, looking at some rules that you can put in place, and I guess evaluate where you are and look at where you can go. This is really important to do when you're not mad, mm -hmm. of course, right? This it's hard to, to talk be... about conflict in the middle of conflict. Right, because it's just gonna lead to more of it. This can also lead to you getting mad, so kind of be aware of that. I think be really deliberate in the two hours that you're gonna spend together of kind of walking that line of, of entering it with a very calm mindset. And again, you know, if hot button issues come up, have a notebook, jot them down, and really focus on what you do well and uh, where you'd like to improve. And we have several prompts in the handout for, uh, for this date night. Yeah, ironically, talking about conflict, I think, can be something that really brings you together and helps you to feel close. So that's the hope for this date, and we hope you have a great conversation on your date tonight. Hey, we hope this material was helpful to you. Please consider purchasing the course for yourself and the one that you love. I think it is a great holiday gift because it's this investment in six dates together in this set aside time for connected conversation that will help deepen your relationship and also help you have a little bit of fun. We've really worked hard to bring together some rich psychological material and combine it with our experiences being in the entrepreneurial world for the last almost 20 years. So check out zenfounder.com forward slash date night. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Zen Founder. Our theme song is A New Beginning by bensound.com used under Creative Commons.